Welcome to today's edition of the Paul List Comics and Culture Podcast. Every day I pick a comic and then I provide some analysis, discussion, and critical engagement. I'm Tu Ply on Twitter at T-W-O-P-L-A-I. My perspective is as a cultural critic, academic, and a teacher and preacher. So I try to be analytical since sometimes I get philosophical, sometimes I get a little spiritual. Well, since I do analysis of a comic's work each day for about 20 minutes, I do get into the details. So I always suggest that you read the work first, whether you buy it from your local retailer or digitally. Yes, that's a lightweight spoiler warning. All right, let's dig deep. It's uh, Tuesday, July 5th. 2016. On Tuesdays, we do the Tuesday trade paperback where I cover a book from uh, a publisher like Image or Boom or Dark Horse or IDW. Um, one of the ones that's um, in the comic market, but not one of the big Marvel or DC big two. So um, today, uh, I decided, you know, I wanted to pretty early in this podcast do something that I don't see that often in other comics podcasts, um, uh, of which there are many out there. <laughs> which is to cover a latter vol- volume of an ongoing series uh, because I, it makes sense. You know, I think reviewers and people who are, um, you know, excited about the, the comics market, which is always coming out with new stuff, um, uh, want to cover the, the first volume of a series of trade paperbacks or sometimes maybe even the whole run. Um, but that means that discussion sometimes gets neglected except on message boards and stuff like that of you know, maybe say the sixth volume in a run of a series. And and that's too bad because as a reader, when I'm, you know, in the midst of reading a series like that, I really want to be involved in a conversation. And so uh, I did already give the spoiler warning as part of the intro, but this is definitely a discussion for people who've list, who've been reading our, our book, um, which today is Saga, volume six, the sixth trade paperback. Um, and if you haven't been reading it, where have you been? <laughs> I know a lot of people for whom Saga has been actually the book that brought them back into comics, um, or at least uh, the the first one they recommend to somebody when, you know, an adult uh, fan wants to see what's peeking and what's going on, kind of what's at the best, what's at the forefront of comics these days. And Saga is always a, uh, you know, great example of, of how the field, the medium pushes the boundaries and is on the edge and yet still hits home and um, has important things to say that's, uh, that are resonant. Um, Saga has a knack for doing the sci-fi thing, which is to surround the familiar with the strange and the strange with the familiar, and in a way to strange up our thinking about the familiar as well as to familiarize, familiarize ourselves with the strange. And Saga's done this super effectively I think um, when Brian K. Vaughn, the writer, uh, and of course the artist is Fiona Staples, um, when Brian K. Vaughn, the writer, um, began the series Saga after a bunch of successful comics, such as Why the Last Man and so on, uh, I'm, I'm again, you know, sometimes I try to make these podcasts very introductory, but if you're listening to a volume six saga discussion, I'm going to assume a lot of, that you know a lot of things and I can just sort of skip to the to the details. So... Vaughn, as this is probably more a reminder than anything, came to Saga um, after a stint in television and really coming back to the medium uh, and in his own life had experienced fatherhood and things in his um, 
adulthood that he wanted to bring to his comic storytelling. He wanted to take domestic life and really turn it into the high drama that it always should have been, you know, before our sort of demographic market driven media started deciding that, you know, we, we all were interested in stories about only about youth and teenagers and people who were single and not yet married. Um, I am a TV drama, uh, TV drama. Yeah. You know, like your HBO, your AMC drama. I've, I've read, I mean, I've watched a good number of them and a few that I've really appreciated are the, are those who don't, necessarily have to dwell on the sort of youthful um, fantasy of being single and falling in love, but can uh, deal in mature ways with the after effects. Um, sadly, the first thing that comes to mind is Mad Men, but I don't, I, the picture of marriage and marital life, well, it's mixed, I guess, but you know, our, our primary protagonist in that, in that show uh, well, okay, so there's that, there's, and Mad Men, and, I mean, sorry, uh, Breaking Bad, another sort of dark picture of, of family and marital life, um, but uh, also even shows like Parenthood um, or Friday Night Lights, whose um, cast mainly were teenagers with teenage drama, but, you know, you had the coach and his wife and, and those kind of figures, those kind of TV shows that really looked at what it went what it meant to be in the fifth the tenth the twentieth year of a partnership of trying to build and uh, maintain a family um that stuff is fascinating to me it was interesting to me even when i was a, a kid and i would have to read you know your um 1940s novel to really think about domestic life or i'd you'd have to read tolstoy to really think about family that deeply uh, and I think Brian K. Vaughan brings that level of maturity to comics with Saga, taking that familiar and really making it strange with, of course, the, the you know, rich world that he and Fiona Staples, I think it deserves a large amount of credit for this, too, of these, you know, various alien species and the relationship with each other, Marco and Lana and Alana being from two warring planets and races and um, joining together to try to make a go of, of being a family. Um, famously, uh, the the cover of Saga number one was controversial because it was breastfeeding. I mean, you know, I think it wasn't that long ago. We're talking here about, I think it was 2011 or 2010 or 2012. It really wasn't that long ago, and yet somehow the picture of a woman breastfeeding was a reason for ridiculous controversy um of course the content of the book that would come along later uh reason for controversy is the wrong word because i think you know they made it really clear who the who the audience was here we're talking about kids but we're talking to adults about kids um you know i i think that the tone of the book is very much like um the this recent parody of children's go to sleep books uh, that was you know published and read by Samuel L Jackson and was sort of viral for a while called get go the f to sleep um I'll leave out the swears uh <laughs> no explicit content here but 
go go the f to sleep is the attitude so many of us young parents older parents whatever have of just how insane it is that we're so pressured to get our kids to sleep according to a schedule because so much medical science has told us that this is what's good for kids and so we drive ourselves crazy trying to get the kids to sleep reading a million books over and over and they just won't fall asleep uh my parents obviously every generation and every parent has problems and hard times with their kids and things like sleeping and eating and those basic things that they gotta um, devote their lives to in in their parenting and child rearing but it's all amped up you know it's all amped up in our generation we have so many books and articles that fly around facebook about this is right and this is wrong and don't eat this and this has been recalled and um the hyper parenting the over parenting craze uh makes us need these release valves of laughing at ourselves and i feel like there's something that saga is doing that is both revolutionary and very cutting edge and also just ultra mm, conservative is not the wrong word in in the sense that we most mostly take it but just in the sense that it's reifying a lot of the the sense that of of a kind of family values re uh, imagined for our times and so that's always been the question for me and what's interested me about saga is what is this revolutionary what is this sort of revolutionary comic book going to say about the the very traditional and yet um, always being uh, upended traditions of family um, so volume six of saga we're already deep in the story and um, if you haven't been keeping up but you're just kind of listening ahead I'm going to get into the details and this is such a good book this is such a do not spoil book so I will reiterate the spoiler warning if you haven't read it I mean go pick it up if that means picking up the fourth and fifth and sixth volume in order to catch up please do so um, we're going to talk from hen- henceforth as people in the know about what's happened um, of course the idea of analysis is always that you know we can assume shared understanding of the basic outlines of the plot I'm not going to just sit here and gush about what we know happened um, either I'm not I'm not going to gush nor am I going to goose <laughs> Or Gus, or however you say his name, about uh, what's happened in, in this volume. Assume that you've read it, um, and instead, I want to point out some of the, the ongoing and unfolding. I'm going to say discussion or elaboration of the themes of family that I think Vaughn and Staples are um, are unrolling in a not in a not only dramatic and compelling way but i think in a very uh interesting and powerful way and with something to say um so you know the the volume begins with these kids illustrating you know their their own sort of experiences of drama and the notion of kids in you know early education with a sensitive teacher um noreen a character who we'll get to know better um in especially in an incarcerated space. Uh, they're at this um, de- detainment center, right? And they're processing their grief for what they've seen, the, the trauma they've gone through, through these drawings. And of course, Hazel, being Hazel, is going to be drawing um, something, um, so, you know, bucking the expectation. 
um, only to come back later to express her grief when she's reminded from seeing the picture of the bee. And, and then, you know, there's, of course, the time movement, all that kind of stuff. But f- really early on, what the creators introduce is that we're not dealing any longer with a baby who is sort of a, um, you know, an object or merely an objective. We're really talking about a kid who's experienced something and who has decisions to make, who has a, you know, a personality to absorb <laughs> and her own wants and needs and um, an experience of trauma in a sense that she's working out. And we've known this voice since the beginning of the, of the book, which is great um, that we've sort of heard the story told through the um, handwritten voice of Hazel from the outset. But to see her now as a young girl um, and having her voice and being this uh, precocious kid that you just have to love is a a total pleasure. It's, It's great fun. And you see her reckoning with herself as an I use this word often, but I think it's really um, a big part of what comics are interested in these days. You see her as an agentive figure, a figure with agency. You know, she says, when I'd lost my second parent in a row, talking about when she's separated from Alana um, and ends up with this, the last revolution and, and her grandmother Clara and her auntie Lexis. There's this idea that, you know, of course no one would say it's her responsibility, but there's a sense where she starts to tell the story not just as a cog you know in the machine really but as somebody who is an actor and she indeed is an actress an actor in her story um and you see her reacting to isabel reappearing you see her reacting to the the trans um horn in the uh with as she calls it an audi of <laughs> a big audi in the shower um and then this very sort of um acute statement that she says we're not children we're eggs and sooner or later those eggs begin to crack and you can see that she's grown into an age where like the wings that are hidden on the back of you know these bandages that she wears which she reveals to noreen her teacher she her her personality her wants who she is begins to appear becomes impossible to hide um I think there's something very awesome about that where this child who has been throughout the whole story, this is exactly the story that our two um, journalists, I can't remember the other one's name, Doff and uh, I forgot the other one's name, but our two journalists are chasing down this, this kid who is a story in herself because she embodies the reconciliation of what people, what, you know, characters in this think are irreconcilable. Um, and I think as, as that stands in judgment to the adult worlds, um, I, she, she herself stands in a kind of judgment to the adult, adult worlds, um, ridiculous and obtuse, um, hatred. And she's, uh, she's the figure, she's sort of like the, the salvation figure, um, of, uh, an intolerant world of the possibility of love intolerance. And so, you know, we've had this tension that is built and builds up in this volume because of this uncertainty about Hazel. And what I love about Brian K. Vaughan is he understands the need in modern storytelling to have enough payoffs 
you know, that we're not endlessly suspended in the same tensions, that new tensions arise, and maybe there are different versions of the same tensions, but um, there's so much satisfaction in, uh, in his work. He knows just how much to eke out to really keep us enthralled. And um, that's a talent. Um, it's maybe formulaic, like you can count the page numbers in which he knows he has to get to a certain kind of payoff, even if it remains a surprise. But, um, but I think he knows what he's doing. He does it very well, and it's fun to read. Um, you know, we, we're reminded here, this is not a book for children, um, and, but it's a book for people with children. And what Vaughn does in um, leaving out the rope, I should say Vaughn and Staples do in sort of unslacking the rope of the tension, is to echo the experience of being a, I'm going to say parent in quotes, but I, I think I really mean anybody who is in a position of trying to hold together a family unit, whatever that family unit looks like. Um, and, you know, I think in our, um, in our stories, in our fiction, if I watch the limited amount of media that I've seen, it's hard to have a sense of humor about ourselves as parents. You're either horrible um, and, you know, you're going to be a sh- sh- put, put to shame on a reality TV show or you're, um, you're wonderful and perfect and following all of the million pieces of advice that uh, are coming from every direction. And Vaughn manages a sense of humor about the reconstitution of who we are as parents, who we are as people trying to hold families together. Um, you know, you see the former Prince Robot rallying around his son as he's growing up. He is, you know, still this sort of selfish and petty person, but but now has a child who you see maturing him uh, in many ways. Um, our pair of journalists who are questioning the the moral and the ethical um, stakes of their work you know on one hand they're they're supposed to be going through the dirty sheets as they say and then and on the other hand there's a um, commitment to uh, uh, you know (laughs) one of them says that's the most breeder sounding thing you've ever said you know this commitment to to children Um, and then here's here's the will even coming back from the dead in a way to try to um, to reconnect with his lost love and just all these examples and this is I think Vaughn's done this in his in his other books but he, he just really employs it here is these reconstituted families you know Goose and Frendo and Robot right or Hazel and teacher Noreen who's a you know momentary surrogate um, or um, you know whomever he just remixes the characters together and always shows us again and again the need that we all have for this for family even if it's some sense a reconstituted family from the nuclear um, assumption and you know after stonewall and and the moral majority and marriage equality and you know where we've come this far there's um a a consciousness uh in in this work uh, of not just varieties and not just tolerance and not just acceptance. Those can be powerful, but also somewhat flaccid. There's just an, 
um, an embrace of the impulse within us to form and to protect what is family. Uh, you know, one of the fist pump scenes is when Goose or Gus or whatever is protecting Robot Son from the will, and then, you know, unfortunately, you see Frendo maybe die, dies, and then the will goes kind of half Alfred Pennyworth, if you've been reading, if you were reading the last uh, volume of Batman. Anyway, um, it's all so dramatic and so poignant, and you, you realize that these characters are at each other's throats, and you care about every single one of them. You know, you don't want any of them to to die. Um, and, I, and, of course, characters have died, and they, some of the ones who've died resurface even in this this run you know your your jay is oswald heists and so forth but i'm really moved by the way that the volume ends you know hazel is narrating what's happened they're all back together oh of course i failed to mention my what might be competing now for my favorite comic page of all time it's really for suckers like me it's you know uh in the last issue that um hazel is back in marco's arms and uh, you know, they're embracing each other and you can't see their faces, you don't need to and she's just saying, daddy, daddy, daddy daddy, daddy, daddy uh, boy, that gets me <laughs> uh, excuse me it's like onions or something in this room a lot of dust, I think uh, <laughs> so of course the ending, um, spoiler, spoiler spoilers, is that um, you know, it, it's sniffed out that um, our our heroes are pregnant um, and meanwhile, the narration from Hazel says, I'll quote the whole thing, uh, mi minus the swears. Dying is one of the few experiences we'll eventually all enjoy firsthand, and like most stuff, that's commonplace. It's boring to dwell on. My fellow inmates slash classmates, and really what's the difference? <laughs> There's that wit. Showed me it was more interesting to concentrate on the living, because death is effing predictable. But life has science experiments and free time and surprise naps, and who knows what comes next. And, you know, really, call it cheesy. You know, you can you can crucify Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples for appealing to our sentiment, but um, that is gold to me, you know? <laughs> that we really could have plenty of, and do have plenty of comics that exploit the um, all the stuff about death but it's so commonplace to find a book that is whatever you may think about its content and, you know, it's um, self-pleasuring monsters and stuff. To have a book that concentrates on the living, um, that glories in the science experiments and free time and surprise naps and who knows what comes next. To me, that's not just good storytelling. It's not just fun and that's not just doesn't compel. It's not just something that compels you to buy the next issue. The meaning and the melodrama that's there in everyday relationships and characters who are likable, not perfect, but uh, well-drawn, and dramas whose stakes are at the level of relationships and characters. You know, you can critique that. There's not much social commentary in that that's of a different era, that's, um, you know, uh, teasing nostalgia. Um, you can even critique the sense of humor in, in Vaughn's writing, that there's this hipster sense of superiority or whatever i mean I've, I've heard a lot of people not like saga um but to me it's a rare story these days that in the 
confusion is the wrong word, in the complexity of what family means and all of the politics that are behind it can cut through a lot of that BS and come to the heart of new life, of what is wonderful about the thing that we all have such a tough time with, which is <laughs> being able to tolerate, bear with, nay, um, pursue with all of our being the togetherness of our families. Um, that's not nothing. Um, and to me, that has um, consequences that are, that are, that are huge uh, for our, our society, for, um, for our um, sense of our future. Um, yeah. All right. Well, there's probably a lot that somebody could critique in what I've just said as well. But that's fine. Um, if you do have those critiques, hey, find me at 2ply at Twitter or T-W-O-P-L-A-I. Um, still trying to find out if we're going to appear on iTunes or Stitcher. It's been a holiday weekend, so I don't expect to hear back super soon. Meanwhile, you're probably finding me on soundcloud.com slash 2ply. And um, please keep listening. And uh, most importantly, keep reading. All right. We'll see you tomorrow.